What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host Ken Milam and John Swan as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. I've been ready forever. Okay. <laughs> Man. Now I'm going to get in. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whenever you're ready. I don't know if I'm ready, Ken. I, okay. I'm still trying to uh, to to process that uh, the last bit of the radio show. <laughs> mm. uh, one of these days we'll have we'll have Kimmery on here with us. Bandage. <laughs> Bandages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, to uh, to to <laughs> just as a, it has nothing to do with beekeeping whatsoever, no. it was just kind of entertaining and yep, fun. Very much. Um, we had uh, we had a couple of guests on on Ken's radio show that we just got done with, and one of them is local here, and uh, she does the expedition school. Mm-hmm. And you know, and we'll she's, have her on here one of these yeah, days. Yeah, she'll she'll be on the show here with us. She's actually very interested in beekeeping and has lots of questions and stuff. So we'll have her on the show. But it was fun because she's in here, and, and you know, she's very much into all of this stuff. And then Ken had. A, a guest on the show who is, um, I'm not going to say any names, but very big on, you know, herbs and natural things and everything else. And so Kim posed a question about, you know, what is like the most important things you should have or, or think of whenever you're out there in the field and you're doing stuff, you know, what kind of items can you come across or should you know about? And <laughs> his answer, the, like one of his top things was Band-Aids. You can never have enough Band-Aids. And I thought Kimberly was going to just come out of her chair. <laughs> she was like, but Band-Aids? I think the Band-Aids? Way, <laughs> I think the way he saw it was, what do I need with me? Yeah. And he was say, okay, yeah. you come from, you come from, the city, you got plenty of band-aids. Get some band-aids, damn it. That's all you need. Yeah, that was, and that was not what she was looking for. No. She was looking for a, you know, you have zero items with you. You're out there hiking or something. You fall, you get hurt. What kind of items can you find right there in your natural environment that would be able to help you? That was the route she wanted to go. Uh-huh, so when she got was. the band-aid answer, man, I yeah. thought she was going to lose yeah, it. Yeah, no. And then, well, and then you need saline to wash it with. Oh, no, no, wait. That was the activated. First, you need some activated, uh, activated charcoal. charcoal. And if you have charcoal yeah. that's not activated, you can use some saline solution. And she's like, yeah, good who's going to have those things with them? Yeah, okay. But Kimry was like. This guy is supposed to be a naturalist. And, <laughs> she was, but he was, he is both. That's what, you know, he is. A, he, and when he gets in, he's a witch doctor. <laughs> he's a witch doctor. He's a witch doctor who shops at CVS. Yeah. That's <laughs> Get it. you some band aids. <laughs> so, uh, okay. We're going right. to do the hive jab now. We are doing the hive jab. Okay. We are doing the hive jab already. <laughs> we, we're just talking radio. Oh, okay. Now. Oh, by the way, if y'all wanted to find that, go to the podcast on the Great Outdoors. No, it's the Sunday Sportsman in the Great Outdoors. There, I think it's now. the Great Outdoors and the Sunday Sportsman. Well, both. I think it's how it's it's, I think it's how it's listed. You can go to if you would like to check out Ken's radio show. <laughs> it is streamed through iHeartRadio, yep. and it comes up. Look for the Great Outdoors and the Sunday Sportsman is how yep. it is listed on That's there. It. And uh, you can you can go in there and listen to any of those episodes and stuff. And <laughs> I know that a lot of our listeners on the Hive Jive are big into hunting and fishing, just as they are bees. Oh yeah. Um, it is it is honestly about a coin toss. 
how many of our listeners are just into it for bees and how many of them are in into also into hunting and fishing and everything else because I see a lot I'm of I'm in the, it for the stings. <laughs> <laughs> one one had hunted me down the other day and, fly, and flew up my shorts, and I felt something. What the hell is this crawling around? So I reached back there, and, and it's, you know, I'm out painting hives, you know, painting different colors of supers. And what the hell? Well, my little hussy, she stung me. <laughs> yeah. Um,. So the logistics of what happened there were a bee was just flying around, was yeah. not looking for trouble whatsoever. Well, I think it was. Landed on this leg. leg and was probably looking for salts and minerals. Me. I couldn't see it. And the owner of said leg yeah. smacked the bee because he didn't know what it was and then wanted to know why he got stung. Yeah. Um, now, did that bee... Go out of its way to leave the hive and no. find Ken and sting him. No, Maybe that is not how that happened. Well, I think this was a feral bee. My my bees don't sting me. Your chin <laughs> says otherwise. Your chin says I otherwise. I know, but anyway, now talking about my bees, I got more bees coming now. Yeah, I, I got asked eleven. A- you know why? John tells me, Ken, you need to quit buying packages. <laughs> Reason I buy packages now, John. Now tell me. Now I'm buying packages because early they are a better price. Mm-hmm. Packages are a better price no matter what because they're you're not getting equipment and comb. It doesn't take as many resources to make the package, so your but package is always going to be a better price. I got all that. Yeah. Well, our normal listeners maybe don't, <laughs> and you you have been forgetting that aspect. I know. Of things. I'm sorry. So, but, uh, but I bought. I bought he started off with, you know, kind of like how we were going to start off with three types of hives, and that went out the window. In well, the week. other hive is um, in the process. It's on the table. So he was going to do, you know, like three to six packages, and instead he bought nine, and now he's telling me he's up to 11. Well, I found another bunch of bees, and I'm sitting there. You know how the, you know how the, the, the solution is to that? Quit Stop buying? looking. I know. <laughs> you won't know. find them if yeah. you quit looking. <laughs> now, if I can find me some Texas bees, I'll be all right. I think you leave them alone. You've got Texas bees. I know. That's all my bees are, is Texas bees. That's right. So yeah. why do you need to go get Texas packages? You're going to have more stuff to keep up with than you realize. And you're going to turn around one of these days, and Max isn't going to be available. And you're going to have 20 or 50 of these suckers you got to go look after. And you're going to oh. be like, that was a bad idea. Uh, this morning, I was coming in. I'm sitting there thinking. I'm going to Fredericksburg, and I'm buying me. There's a place over where I can buy those uh, uh, food grade blue barrels, and I'm buy- I am going to make me a barrel top bar, just like Les Crowder's. Oh God! And what do you say? They're about 24 inches long. Yeah, the bars, the bars, the bars are insanely huge. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting there, but well, you've already got barrel hives yeah, that you did are, for your swarm traps. Mine only hold about 20. It don't matter. Yeah. You've still got one. Why go build a bigger one? Well, I can I can use those. Yeah, you can use. I the thought I needed go. a bigger one. No. Oh, okay. No. I thought you said they'd outgrow it too quick. No, less like the way that Les builds a lot of his hives nowadays. Mm-hmm. He purposely builds them smaller. He doesn't build like a four foot hive. He builds more like a two and a half to three foot hive maximum. Because well, that'd be my white barrel. Well, then he'll also turn around and he'll divide that hive in half. And so they have even less space, and he's got two colonies going, one on either side, so that they get crowded, and they want to swarm, and then he does splits for them, because at the moment, less is is into having more bees, into making more colonies. And so if you reduce that amount of space... You just told me how to fix them where I can split them. 
Well, I mean, you can split them no matter what. Yeah. I've been trying to tell you to stop buying bees because you're going to be splitting bees anyway in the spring, and that hasn't sank in yet. <laughs> well, i got plenty of stuff. Well, that's not the point. <laughs> I, got, I was counting brood boxes the other day. I got uh, 20 plus. Mm -hmm. I figure I need to fill them all up. No, you don't. <laughs> because if you fill them all up, now you have no extra reserves. You have no resources whatsoever because you've filled them all with packages. You need well, to I have, buy 20 packages. Plus, but that's you need to have some of that stuff set aside because all of the colonies, like even today, if you have 10 colonies mm -hmm. and you've got 30 boxes, mm -hmm. in theory, that's only two more boxes mm -hmm. per colony. Mm -hmm. That's it. I had a colony last year that had five to six boxes on top of it. You're not going to have enough stuff. You're going to well, run I've out. Got Fifty something. And I'm not. I should not have supers. said that. Actually, I shouldn't have said you're not going to have enough stuff because this is going to make you turn buy around and more. buy more. Right. That's, I know that's the plenty whole, more with drawn yeah, comb. No, never mind. Scratch that. <laughs> um, the whole point, though, is that you know, slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. Like it, it. And I know that when Tara and I were talking to you about some stuff and you you were laughing, he who dies with the most toys wins. That's right. He, he who dies with the most toys wins. That's yeah. why I'm going to have a 20 frame extractor that yeah. will go up to 36. So it's, um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so anyhow. Now, uh, now, let's get back to Well, okay. So your, your package thing, as you said, mm -hmm. uh, this is the time if you do want to get packages they're depending on where you're getting them from because it, it really is it's a 50 50 on this yeah. um a lot of the the major commercial producers of packages they've already got their sites open they probably in some cases open them in october mm -hmm. and those are already out there where you can go through and you can reserve your packages and and you can get that taken care of now as ken has learned you need to be you need to do a lot of shopping and research when you're doing this because he has found some people who the package yeah. is going to be X amount of money. Yeah. And then when you turn around and you look at the other size of that. <laughs> oh, dear okay. God. Um, so Eric is showing us that uh, apparently ancient Egypt, um, they had their own version of like erectile dysfunction and uh, and helping increase manlyhood. Five bee stings to very sensitive areas of the body can help these things. <laughs> Sorry. At least like... might get it bumpy anyway. That's what we're gonna get. We better quit. <laughs> so see, Eric, Eric likes to... Uh, he... That's breaking news. That was reported five days ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he's always he's always showing us. He's like, hey, check out this thing I found or this thing that I heard or you know I saw this over here and and so that was a uh, he he saw it and had to had to show us real quick. Um, what were we talking about? Because uh, I know it packages. I know it wasn't erectile dysfunction. <laughs> packages. <laughs> so. uh, this is the time to buy packages cheap and but you have to watch and see where they're coming from because you can buy them cheaper over here and you find out they're coming from the same place. Well, uh, and that that is that's part of it too. You did find that a lot of them are are really being grown and raised by like one yeah. major corporation. But the other aspect of it too that I was talking about is that you had one place that you found where the price itself, um, you know, it started off what seemed like kind of a decent price. Now, packages 
your local area, you might be able to find them pretty cheap. Yeah. We found packages anywhere from one hundred and twenty-five dollars yep. all the way up to like two twenty-five. Yep. And so he's kind of in the one fifty-ish range is is where he's been looking at stuff just because of, they... of how they can find it. But you'll go through and you'll find this package, and on one of them he found out, oh well, I'm going to order five packages. But then it was like thirty bucks a package each, no, each no, no, per no, shipping. No, 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 it was fifty three dollars a package each per shipping. For shipping. shipping. So, so that package that started off at one hundred and fifty bucks, uh, you add in there another fifty dollars, and you know now you're yeah. up to two hundred dollars on that package. Yeah. And so, is it really that viable? He found another place where the packages were a little bit more. They were more, more around the one thirty range right, they were instead of the one twenty five range. But that gentleman, when they ship it they can hook several of the packages together so a flat $30 fee was going to cover two or three packages packages instead of just one package or 30 bucks per package so shipping can be a big big thing really you know to take into consideration and and that actually applies to beekeeping supplies as well Um, you've heard us talk about like man lake and date ant and stuff and Mm -hmm. both of those companies have free shipping on any orders over a hundred dollars right but say you need an emergency thing like max went out and bought some of the pollen substitute one day Mm -hmm. And he got it on Amazon because Amazon would do the next day shipping. But that ain't cheap. No. they The first, right off the bat, the first thing that I noticed was for that specific product, which was a pollen substitute mm-hmm. product, that product was being sold on Amazon for $20 more base oh, yeah. price yeah. than from the actual manufacturer. Yeah. And it also said it was from the actual manufacturer. Mm -hmm. So that right there is one of those, like, sometimes you pay for the convenience of something, and you may be paying out the nose for the convenience of that thing. So just take your time and go through and do a lot of research and and look into the places that are raising the nukes and where they're at, where their nukes come from. Are they growing them themselves? Do they come from pollination services? Do they come from migratory beekeeping? You know, like, like just know what you can about the company and then try to find something that fits within your budget. And your packages and everything, like some of those places that are offering packages, they've also got their nukes and things that are already up for sale. And that is basically... You know, you can get your foot in the door now. The sooner the better. Get in there. Get something reserved. Right. Put down your deposits, and then you know that you're good. Um, A lot of those places, they'll do a deposit up front, and then you do a final payment right before they ship them. Other places, just they go ahead and debit the entire amount. Um, It really just kind of depends on how it is. But the, the other side of that coin, though, is it doesn't mean that you actually have to go do it right this second because you have other people out there who purposefully wait, like myself, I don't even open up for orders until February, and that's because I want to make sure that my colonies survive the winter before I turn around and say how many colonies I can produce for nukes to sell that year. And if you're dealing with a commercial operation that's a migratory beekeeper and they've got thousands of hives, they take those hives out and they're doing almond pollination, for instance. Those The almonds are very protein-dense, and the protein obviously is then what makes the brood, and so the, the colonies are exploding with bees, and they can take them back and they can shake them off and make the packages and then turn around and do splits and do all this other stuff with them. But you also have companies out there that will buy those excess colonies from the migratory beekeepers at wholesale or basically like pennies on the dollar for the hive. And they'll take, say, if you have one deep, they'll take this one deep that's exploding with bees and it's it's wall-to-wall brood, and they may break that one deep out into four or five nukes. 
and it, it's basically like two frames per nuke and they take that 10 frame box and they make five nukes out of it and then they turn around and they can sell one of those nukes for basically what they bought that 10 frame box for so that's all the two frame nuke that's what they're doing is they're just well it just a... starts as the two frames they grow it up to five but they they're taking two frames of brood out of that parent colony and sticking it in that nuke and then getting a new queen in there and then feeding it and growing it until it's now filled out five frames and then they sell it but the point of that is they may have paid say $250 for that 10 frame box right and then they broke that $250 10 frame box out into five separate boxes and they're going to sell one of those boxes $250. for a minimum of $250 so. and so they're they're making you know hand over fist on this kind of stuff but they're not their bees and now I'm, I'm going to contradict myself here because in some of this becomes semantics, right? They're not their bees. Those bees didn't come from their region. Those bees, they're just cannon fodder to start a colony is all that basically boils down to. The new queen, whatever queen you put in the colony, ultimately that's going to be your colony. Not what you started with, not whatever's in there. It's going to be the genetics of that new queen. And so... Does it matter that those bees, that the package of bees came from pollination services and everything else? Well, six to seven weeks later, no, not really, because they're all gone and it's all just whatever this new queen's genetics and everything is and, and how they raise everything. So it really all can kind of depend on that. But the other beekeepers who are not doing those things, they're using their own bees. So for myself, I can't open up my channels in October and start taking reservations and end up with 200 people that have pre-reserved hives and then go through the winter and all of my parent colonies, for whatever horrific reason, die and they don't survive. I'm screwed and I've got 200 people that I then have to turn around and refund money to or do whatever to. And I don't I'm not going to play that game. So I wait until after our main winter part. I check the colonies in January, get a Way good idea of where they are. It, yeah, but see, what you're you're not actually taking into account what happens here in January and February. Oh, I, know, I know what happens here in January. We and end February. up losing if we're going to lose colonies, it's mm-hmm. going to happen in February. I know. I'm that's feeding, the I'm biggest. The feral, two feral colonies right now. Well, but that's the biggest time that we lose colonies is in February. It's mm-hmm. not in November. It's not in December. No, it's not even in January really. Building the stores really. up right now. Yeah, building the stores up now is good. But so I, I go through and I wait and I make sure that those colonies are strong and healthy. And say I only have three parent colonies that I think are going to be decent enough to be able to start splitting at the end of February and and make colonies off of, then I'm going to turn around and say, okay, well, I think I can get X amount from these to make nukes. So I'm only going to offer X amount of nukes. And that's it. And then I open that up. Now, in a very bizarre Nothing has has actually this this entire year has just been crazy. Like the the thought and dream of um, having any time to myself and having any like free time whatsoever has literally just gone out the window because the whole taking on the new position with the state. And, you know, like I, I've, I've moved out of the county realm and moved into the state realm. And I thought, oh, yay, you know, like I got rid of this one board position and I got rid of this well, officer position. More now. Yeah. You, stepped, you stepped out of the skillet yep. into, the, into the fire. Into the fire. Well, yeah. and then on the business side of things, I had I had made the decision early on this year mm-hmm. that next year in 2020, I was only going to offer nukes to existing clients who had bought them in the past. Yeah, like me. And or... Some of my dedicated consultation clients that I go out and do consultations and trainings with. Yeah, like that me. was all I was going to do. Okay. I'm already sold out. 
and I've already sold. You got my five made twice as many as I would normally do in a normal year. <laughs> that's because you're becoming such a star on well, the hive. That's, th that's not no, because these are all local people. This is not you know like I'm not going to do a nuke for somebody in New York or California or something. That's okay. not going to happen. This is just right here locally. But it's it's gotten to the point where. My thought of, okay, I'm going to cut back. I'm going to focus more on growing the apiary because over the past three years, my apiary, the total size has actually shrank a little bit because I've been going very heavy on producing these other nukes and right. selling them and doing other stuff. So I was like, this is going to be kind of a year of regrowth. So instead of having it open to the public, I'm going to close it off. There's only going to be a select few people that can actually get nukes from me this year. Mm -hmm. And the rest of it's going to go back into our apiary and kind of double and regrow our, our populations mm -hmm. out there and expand the apiary. And somehow we're not even to December and I've already maxed that out and then doubled it. And I'm like, well, how did that? Well, you better get to work. You're doing more extractions. <laughs> well, no, it just, it was like, <laughs> how did that happen? How did we go from, you know, I, I want to do less in this area so I can focus more on that. And somehow I've now doubled what I did in that area when we, I wasn't trying to reduce it. We should have went out there to the pig farmer and got sucking his, <laughs> taking his bees and bringing them up here. And Again, that's, <laughs> that's just cannon fodder. Those, those bees you suck up, that's. That's just going to be cannon fodder is all that is. Uh, um, they'll just go to help keep everybody warm and help them survive the winter. But, yeah. um, but so also, and this is something that you and I have talked about, you know, when you wanted to go through and you wanted to get these nukes from all these different places, mm -hmm. you know, and you were like, I want some Bama bees and I want these bees and I want those bees. I'm going to have bees. some Yankee bees. They'll still, they'll well, still all sting you. Well, the <laughs> sting a lot of bees. Um, the one thing that it's really going to boil back down to is whatever queen we put in there, well, right? Uh, yeah. And so the the true experiment to that would be, well, why don't we look at maybe having some Italian bees and some Carniolan bees and some Russian bees. I got and Russian some, and Carniolans. We can I get you some in. of the Saskatraz bees, the Scrats. The and scratch. so then you That's can... That's too damn mean. Yeah, well, but then you can see, are they really... They, they even whip... Well, here's you know, so here's bees. No, they don't at all. Not even close. That's that is not correct information. Although now let me the, tell you, I, I found something out. You wash your suit and they like you again. And your gloves. Yeah, and my gloves. That's one of the reasons. If you see in in a lot of the videos and stuff, you'll see me wearing nitrile gloves, like the blue gloves. And that is because if you're wearing the leather gloves or the canvas gloves, any smells, the propolis, the wax, the honey, anything you get on those gloves stays. And that includes the pheromones from the stingers. And so the glove will be contaminated with all these overpowering smells. And then you go to stick your hot, your hands in that hive and the hive immediately reacts negatively because it's picking up on all those smells. So if you wear the nitrile gloves, you have better dexterity, you have better sense of feel so that you know what you're doing. And it's a clean slate every time. Oh. Um, but washing your suit, washing your gloves, absolutely. Especially if you go out there and you experience a day where your hive is a little ornery and they're a little irritated yeah, with you and they, they're all over the veil or all over the suit. Clothes. Even if they don't physically sting you, like our suits are the triple layer suits yeah. where they, the stinger doesn't get stuck. But the pheromones are still there because yes. they're trying to sting. Yep. So you take that suit and you wash it and then don't use anything that has any strong sense to it. Don't use any really fragrant fabric softeners or detergents. I buy a free and clear detergent, wash them, maybe just a tiny little bit of bleach in there, not a lot. 
And then when you dry it, no dryer sheets, no fabric softeners. Then we where you go and get your it comes out of there and it's nice and clean and crisp, but it doesn't smell like overpowering perfumes, which could then have that same effect. And you get to start with a clean slate and then suddenly your bees are nice again. Go to Bass Pro or Callahan's. Well, oh, no, not Callahan's. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 what's one down here in, in uh, Buda? Tractor Supply? No, well, no, no, no. Bass Pro. Oh, you're talking about the big Cabela's, Bass Pro or Cabela's. And you go in there, then you walk back to the hunting part, probably more like uh, bow hunting. Get that anti-scent soap. It's laundry detergent. It's anti-scent. It takes all smell out, and that's what you use. And it takes all the smell out. It's a great detergent, and that's what I used on mine. Anyway, that's... But that's it takes all scent out. Well, that works. That um, worked. That, that, that'll they work. like me again now. So your um, so I got nine packages coming. I thought you had eleven. I got well, I got eleven now. I do have eleven because I got six corneolans. I got three Russians, and then two of those happy bees. <laughs> <laughs> you lost what me there. The guy calls them happy bees. <laughs> I don't. It's sort of like. Uh huh. Okay. He's not from Texas, is he? No, he's no. not. It's not who you're thinking down there. No. Well, no, because there's he's a from no, no, no. There's a guy here in Texas that that sells his colonies. Okay. And he calls them no happy aren't. Georgia bees. He says they're just the happiest Georgia bees. So it makes me wonder if, if oh, it's not no, maybe no. he gets them from that same Everybody's place or it might be the same place. Yeah, but you but know his are his yeah. are nukes, not packages though. His are nukes, I think. They have nukes too, but they, they sell packages also. Anyway, we won't get into that. But I just got them because I wanted to to see how the packages do, and then I, then John says, "Well, Ken, you know, you got you're buying carniolans. We can queen those. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, if they're mean, then we're going to queen them." We got two highs. We're gonna queen, requeen. Come no, spring. no, I'm just gonna leave them all. What? At this point, I'm just gonna leave them. I'm not gonna requeen anybody. We got, we got to requeen no, the rock. No, no, no. no I'm just gonna, gonna let them go. Requeen the trailer. No. And uh, the the nuke. <laughs> I'm not requeening any of them. Well, I guess I we're, have learned how to requeen them. We're just gonna let them go. We're gonna let them. Well, you know, fine. that way they can grow, and you can have a true experience of a Texas redhead. Oh, I already, had, or no, like I already had that true experience when I opened <laughs> up that one, and we put corneolan. We put a corneolan queen in that one, and they still come out mean. They well, but see, a lot of it goes back to methods. So yeah, when, I was trying to pull the bo- yep. the board that was stuck in exactly, there. and I, I told yeah. you. The, this last time that you had to go out, uh, Max was not available to help. Uh, I couldn't make it out there, and yeah. you had to go do your final inspections, and it was going to be just you. Yeah. And I told you, I said— And they were happy. They were happy bees, yeah, though, then. And but, they, all of them were. But what did I tell you? Go be slow, quiet and slow and, easy. and be calm yeah. and go very gently through your so, hive. Don't be in a rush. And he calls me back, and he's like, they were in such a good mood. Yeah, they like, were. they did so great. You but know, it, As it, I was opening the top bars, I was sitting there. Hello, ladies. How are y'all doing today? I'm so such a wonderful mood today. Let's all be nice to each other. And and they all one come up and looked at me in the eye and flew back down. And she danced to the others, and they all started dancing for me. 
Well, see, there you go. But it's all about if you go slow and gentle and be calm, they will go slow and gentle and be calm. The quicker you move, the quicker they move. The more irritated or frustrated you get, the more irritated or frustrated get they the get. smell off my so, suit. That's what that was. I don't think it was. I think it was a it was a combination of things that all go into better beekeeping and, and how to handle things. And so you're uh you you keep bringing up the scrats and you keep saying oh they're mean they're mean and you don't know that you no, just I know that, I don't know that. I just other people that, that told but, you right yeah. so when you go through and you do a genetic profile and you look at the saskatraz bees and you look at the the comparison of those to some of the other bees they rank as far as their levels of aggression or defensiveness they rank equally with a russian bee mm-hmm. so and, and i got two i got well, but Three the Russian, the Russian colonies, when you look at those in comparison to um, all the other colonies and all the other beekeepers who don't have any Africanized genetics, they never have to worry about it. They're in countries that don't have it or they're, you know, far north, things like that. The, the worst thing you can run into is that Russian bee if you're looking at it from a defensive standpoint. And then the, the Saskatraz bees, they're, they're right there in that same ilk, right? Mm-hmm. They've got other attributes to them where... They may build up faster than the Russian bees do, so that'll make them closer to like an Italian, but they've still got this aggression level of the Russian bee, Mm -hmm. and that's where they get that bad name, right? But for anybody who does have to deal with an Africanized bee, again, that is two points higher on the scale, which turns around and makes the Russian bee look like a teddy bear. So it makes the sass- the, the scrats look like a teddy bear as well. But it's all perspective. It's all based on what you've had to deal with in the past, what you're dealing with in the future. And so your colonies that you're talking about, oh, we, we've got to requeen these colonies. Let's wait and see. Because, you know, you it, it it's not going to hurt to have a colony that no, is... mean, yeah. That is, I agree with you feral genetics right and see kind of what they come out of but the rest of them they're good you've got you've got uh at least two colonies that are russian carniolan hybrids you've got at least one that is a pure russian and then the other ones were requeened with pure carniolan Mm -hmm. and then you've got the two feral colonies the the rock and the trailer were feral yep and the, the 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 nuke that i got that we got is feral so i got three. Oh, feral that's true colors. i forgot about that last minute one yeah. that you bought and uh the no it was yeah and uh it was uh but the rock all of a sudden has got nice again there because <laughs> you got nice well, again. i figure it's because i don't stink <laughs> <laughs> i don't have pheromones uh, max he was here sitting my son he was sitting there uh, we got out of the truck and here come four bees flying to me he says they already smell you i said yeah i know <laughs> yeah, be in heat, huh? <laughs> I think it's ah hell. That's the one we stung the other day. We're gonna sting him again. That's what I'm pretty sure. And then one flew up my shorts and stung me. That had nothing to do with anything else. That was just you smacking it and it deciding to retaliate yeah, because you attacked so. it. Okay, man. What is this episode supposed to be about? Apparently, it's I about- just whatever the hell we want to talk about today. <laughs> bees. It's about bees. Eric says it's about bees. Apparently, it was about packages. That's when, before yeah, we started the show. You. I was sitting so, in here no, chatting. You with said Kimmery. no. We're not talking packages yet. That's later. Well, that's but, too late but, now. That whole first half of this like yeah, last twenty minutes has the been. The reason packages. I want to talk. <laughs> yeah, I come in with another another package, and then, then Eric come in with a package, and then and then a bumpy package, and I'm sitting there, and it needed to have bees stung it, and then it makes a bumpier package, and, <clears throat> and we'll quit. <laughs> <laughs> so, in other news, 
we uh, we got this email from Australia. I'm just gonna we're just gonna segue over to this. Does he go um, talk about toilet float rolling in the wrong does, direction? He does have a couple of words for you, Ken. Um, so we got an email, and uh, the the email this mm-hmm. one's this is entertaining. The email itself. Let me switch back out here real quick. Is say in Australian? Oh man, I you really gotta read it in Australian. I can't read it in Australian because uh, I don't want to do him a disservice. I would have to brush up on on my accents and stuff, and then come back. I really should have done that, and then because I at the very least I could have read the la- the last paragraph in Australian. This it would have been is perfect. a knife. <laughs> a knife. This is a knife. Um, okay, so they probably hate that. You know, because that is like the, the, the one the one main thing that we all have for reference for Australia is Crocodile Dundee. Oh, yeah. And so the knife reference has to be like beaten That's to death. That's not a knife. This is a knife. And then you are shrimp on the Barbie. And then you get you get all of these cocky Americans that show up down there and they're like, hey, this is our one reference that we know of you guys. And so everybody gets to hear it a thousand times. It's like for a beekeeper, them going, do you get stung? Well, no shit, we get stung. (laughs) Once. I got stung once on the chin and then the other five times. Okay, so um, the email itself is a sum total of one sentence. Okay. And then it has a Word document attached to it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So at first when I look at this, I'm like, okay. The subject says, for the attention of John Swan. And then the first line of the sentence says, John, please have a read of this. It took me about two hours to type it up, laugh out loud. (laughs) And there's an attachment. And so immediately I'm like, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh. So I went through and uh, and opened it up and took a look at it. And it was actually – it was – it was – Pretty entertaining and very touching and stuff all at the same time. And he's got some photos in here. Um, I will post a picture of the photo that he has inside this this email here because he does specifically ask about the locations where bees should be placed. And he's got some color markings on there. Mm-hmm. So I'll go through and I'll put the post out there as well so that people can see this. But this email, and it's, uh, it's very lengthy attachment, is from Brett. And Brett lives in Australia. And he writes in and he says he's got some questions here. So we'll we'll go through and we'll start this off. So he says, hey there, Ken and John. Sorry, Hi, Brett. <laughs> sorry. Sorry in advance, Brett. Um, for Ken. No, I'm just kidding. So he says, sorry in advance, guys, but this is going to be a bit long winded. The carrier pigeon has a long way to fly. So I might as well make it worth it. <laughs> I can't talk. I almost got tongue tied there. It wasn't even a sentence worth being tongue tied on. That was supposed to be said in Australia. No, well, well, I told you. <laughs> That's not that's not happening. Um, so my name is Brett, and I am from Queensland, Australia. Ken, just so you know, mate, kangaroos are not cute. They're evil little buggers that will try to box your ears any chance they get, even though they are nowhere near as bad as the bloody drop bears. What's a drop bear? I'm gonna have to look that up now because I don't know. I, I, you know what? That is a that's a critter that Eric, I have look not up seen. A drop bear. <laughs> He's, He's on it. it already. He's on, thumbs up. <laughs> Okay, so let's see. Bloody drop bears. Okay. I consider myself pretty much an Australian version of Kin. Oh, dear God. (laughs) I'm very much an Aussie redneck. I love fishing, guns, hunting, and bees. Hey, there you go, buddy. What else is there? (laughs) Also... I get something in my head, and I just can't stop thinking about it, and I obsess over it. For the record, YouTube is evil, I agree, but if you watch a lot of it, 
you can start to use your brain to sift through the BS, yeah. and then he puts in parentheses what BS stands for, just in case you weren't aware. Um, there is some good info available if you can disseminate some of that. There now, is. the problem, though, is some people don't know how to do that. They just take everything verbatim and, and do it. So, okay, so now he has a, a history lesson here for us before he gets into his questions. Oh, hang on. Pause. We're looking. What kind of bear is it? It's a freaking koala. No, it's a drop bear. Oh, it's a hoax. A drop bear is a hoax in contemporary Australian folklore featuring a predatory carnivorous version of a koala. And it's got, it has this, look at it. It's almost like a vampire. Look at those teeth, man. We have the same thing here. Uh, it, <laughs> this is, you, you've seen a, uh, what do they call it? What do they call them? A batter nothing. Ba a, a meaner, meaner, you take a deer rear end. You know where the, the hole comes out, where all mm -hmm. the manure runs out of it? Mm -hmm. Well, you take it and you you mount it on a on a skull, on a head. And and where that deer rear end comes out, you put fangs coming out. And, and then you put eyeballs on it. And you put ears on it. It makes it look like it's this, this hell creature. Uh, one of my taxidermist buddies makes them. And I'll bring one in here and put it in here. Just let all the other people use this studio see it and wonder what the hell it is. But <laughs> it, it's, uh, you it, it, have it, too I much mean, damn it, time. It, it, will, it will blow you. That's exactly what that is. I you know what have that is. too much time on your hands. Oh my God. Well, I'm not busy yet. Oh. I don't fish no more. Man, as much as I used to. man, man, man. Okay, wow. Okay, so so major detour, sorry. Um, that is actually funny, though. Nice try there, Brett. Luckily for us, we have a producer. Yeah, we got a producer. And the producer go. oh, Lord. The producer goes through and, and has the time back there to go through and look these things up for us, and now he just showed us a picture of basically what Ken was, was yeah, talking about. So What do they call it? Oh, man. Okay, so, all right, a history lesson. Before, I mean, this whole... We're gonna we're gonna call this episode down the down the hole. Nope, <laughs> that sounds bad too. The spiral, <laughs> spiraling out of control. That's what we'll call it. Spiraling out of control. Is, but which way is it turning? Is oh, no, no, it turning no, 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 no. Aussie or is it, is it down under or up here? I think Brett addresses that again down here for you. Uh, all right, so a history lesson from Brett. He says, I was listening to a podcast and I found it to be too technical. I clicked back onto Spotify and then I found you two and I thought, hey, this sounds okay. A minute in and suddenly I was hooked. Three episodes in and then I got a phone call saying that my grandfather had suffered a massive heart attack. Sorry to hear that. A week later, the only thing that has honestly got me through is listening to you guys bantering on with each other. You have kept my mind off of the terrible time that my family is going through, and for that, I am eternally grateful. Some days, I was just a blubbering mess, and after a few minutes of you guys, I was belly laughing with the rest of them. <laughs> Anyways, I just needed to say that. Well, thank you, Brett, thank you very much, sir, and our condolences on the heart attack. Yep. Um, hopefully, everybody is, is doing better, and you guys are, are making it through that. That is always a tough time, for yep. sure. Um, and we're glad that we can uh, be there to help give be you there. some lighthearted laughter. Is that B-E be there? Or B? I mean, whichever. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, that's what, anytime I can make somebody laugh, I'm tickled to death. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can tell that, but, yeah, but, you know, it's, somebody, that's all we're here for. Somebody posed a question about okay. uh, every time we have a photo of us. Uh-huh. 
Um, they were like, how is it that you guys always seem to catch Ken in this state of jubilation where he's always like in mid laughter? <laughs> and I was like, that's just how he is, yeah, period. Much. Like it, you can take a photo of Ken almost in mid sentence at any time. And that's what you're going to get is this, this boisterous <laughs> laughter. Uh, okay. So back to back to Brett's <laughs> email here. This is, it's a lengthy one. So, okay. Okay. Now for the bees. Currently, I do not have bees, but a friend of mine has just bought 52 acres of undulating country, and the main focus is a 400-tree avocado orchard. He has told me that if I organize bees and run them, that he will pay all the costs for having the bees, and I can keep all of the honey. I would like to ask many, many questions, but I can't go on monopolizing your time. So I've decided that a six Langstroth hives would be a good number. Chicken math is definitely bound to come into play here pretty soon, but they will all be 10 frame, quote unquote, deep brood boxes with single deep supers. So two deeps. He's going to have basically double deeps. Okay. After listening to you say that your bees won't work your garden, if it's placed in the garden, is a little side note there. I'm wondering where to locate the hives to somewhat ensure that they will work the trees when they're flowering. I'm going to show you guys a, a satellite photo view and block out kind of the area where the orchard is and give you guys some uh, locations that you can maybe give me guidance on. In the picture below, you can tell me where you would recommend to place the hives. My thoughts were that, and then this is where the, the color pictures and stuff come in, mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll show you this here in just a second. Um, my thoughts were that in the light blue marked area, which is facing the orchard, and then east, it's also facing east. But after listening to you guys talk about locations, I'm thinking more about the pink or the green shaded areas could both be facing east or southeast. All three sites would provide shade pretty much any time after midday. Permanent water is available near year round in the dam at the top of the photo as well. For reference, though, and this is in Australian meters, um, the distance from the orchard to the green shaded line is about 525 meters. The, let's see, to the west and the northwest of the road, next to the green shaded area, there are approximately 20,000 acres of national park full of iron bark, bloodwood, tallow wood, and gum trees. Okay, so I'm going to let you take a look real quick at the, uh, at the photo. So on the, what would it be, on this side over here, uh -huh. you see those blue lines uh -huh. right to the... I don't know which direction you're looking. So this way to them, that's the orchard. That's all the avocado trees, right. okay? And so the blue lines was his first original mm -hmm. thought. Mm -hmm. Past that, you've got two purple lines. Mm -hmm. And those purple lines are a little bit in where they've kind of got trees around mm -hmm. them. And they're laid up against the edge of the trees so that the Easter sun coming up in the morning is going to be able to warm the hives up. Then he's got the far back green. And that one would be on the complete opposite side of the property. So those are kind of the different markings that he's looking at. So he says, questions now, um, are six hives too much or too little to pollinate 400 avocado trees? The second question is going to be, which color shaded location would you most recommend? And then if you choose green, would 525 meters be too far given that there is essentially a forest between them and the orchard? The orchard pollination is the main goal that matters here. So going through and taking a look at the photo, um, Really, honestly, it kind of depends on, on what's really going on. But I would say don't put them at the green line. They don't need to be that far away. That's that's perfectly fine. Yes, they will fly all the way over there, and they will go through, and they will forage from the flowers when they are in bloom from your almonds, but I wouldn't necessarily say putting them there. Putting them at the blue line 
would work. Um, it, especially for the outer corners of that, because you're looking at a large chunk of land. So when we were talking about somebody who was doing gardening, um, you know, you're looking at like an acre size plot. Mm-hmm. And if you put the bees right in the center of that acre and the garden was directly around them, mm-hmm. the bees really won't forage in that garden. They're going to go to the acre next door and mm-hmm. forage. But if you've got 400 avocado trees, you know, that's probably several acres of trees well, right you know there. It is, yeah. So you having. You said what, 40 acres or 50 acres? Already... 52 acres. Yeah. So having the bees along your blue line where you put them there, that would actually be fine. Even having them at either of the purple lines would probably be okay as well. And and what I would almost do, um, starting off, six hives is fine to start with. Mm-hmm. That's that's already going to be hand over fist, more bees than are currently there, right? Oh, yeah. Now, there is some ratios that they use whenever they look at pollinating major huge crops like when they look at the almonds or they look at the apple orchards they do have some arithmetic that states they need x amount of hives per x amount of acres of that specific plant or tree and so i'm sure that there is a little bit of uh, math that could be done there to go through and figure that out and then so starting with your six probably fine maybe jumping up to 12 may not necessarily be a bad idea. And what you could do is you could put, say, anywhere from five to ten hives at each of your marks. So if you were going with the blue, you could put five to ten hives at the top mark and then five to ten hives at the bottom mark, and you could slowly increase that. So the first year, maybe you just have ten hives total, and you put five at each location. Mm -hmm. And then that next year, you split them and double them, Mm -hmm. and then you have ten at each location. That would give you 20 hives on that property to go through and pollinate those flowers. You probably would do pretty good at that. Um, If you did the purple, that would be fine as well. It's a little bit further back. But when that orchard is in bloom, they're still going to come out there and they're going to, you know, happily partake in those those flowering trees. Um, So, yeah, you're actually I think you're good. Just don't do the green line. The only other thing that I would say, though, is a lot of times when people look at migratory beekeeping, this is probably the reason that I would say do the purple line, not the blue line, is because the migratory beekeeping, the bees come in. And they're dropped off just for the bloom period. Right on the road. And then they turn around and they take them off. Mm -hmm. So they don't permanently live there, which means when they need to go through and they need to do the rest of the work in the orchard, the bees aren't right there getting riled up by the machinery and all the other stuff because that's going to irritate them. So because of that, if you have them out there in the purple areas that you've highlighted— and again, I would use both of those areas and divide my hives and, and maybe, you know, do the 10, five at one location, the kind of the northern location and five at the southern location. But have your hives out there because that provides the blockage of the little bit of trees in the forest to the actual orchard. So when you have it set up that way, the bees are still going to go out there and they're still going to pollinate your orchard, but they're not going to be permanently setting in the orchard so that when they need to be out working the orchard, the, the actual farmers the bees aren't going to get irritated at but you. But what, what about when do they spray insecticides and pesticides on avocado? I don't know. They may. I mean, would, it, would, it depends on I that specific farmer. Would I pull my bees off when they start spraying insecticides? Well, here's the deal. If the bees live there permanently and you have a good relationship, obviously, working hand-in-hand hand with the farmer, they're not paying you to come and drop stuff off and leave, and you're not worrying about another farmer right next door what you could yeah what you can end up doing is you can close your bees up if you know that they're going to be spraying today or tomorrow right 
you can go through and you can close the bees up so that they don't get out there on the crops when the crops are being sprayed. Also, if it's going to be where it needs a full day to sit or anything like that, again, you can close the bees up so that they don't go out there and come into contact with those poisons. Ultimately, you would hope that whatever type of farming and stuff is being done is not using any type of chemicals or pesticides that are going to be harmful or lethal to the bees or even sublethal to the bees. So that's the best case scenario. But obviously, a lot of times in major agriculture, that that doesn't happen. So, mm -hmm. but again, the United States is the worst when it comes to that stuff. Oh, a lot yeah. of other countries are way more diligent and vigilant over those types of things, and, and we're not. So... Um, okay, so <laughs> to carry on here, the last little bit of his message says, considering that I am almost finished with your podcast up to the current episode, could you guys please start doing them daily? Driving earth moving machinery is really boring and I need to have constant hive jive in my life. I may be called a hive jive junkie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like that. Well, he never did say. I like that. I like the hive jive junkie. Does the toilets go the wrong direction? <clears throat> Thanks for everything that you guys do. Thanks, John, for your awesome information and knowledge. And you have a pretty good name as well. Um, actually, the same name as poor old granddad. Aw. John? I'm guessing so. Okay. I would really not imagine that his full name was John Swan. but um, think so. No, but John probably is the, the good first name. <laughs> and then he says, Ken... Keep on smiling, mate, and no, I will not send you a video of the sink draining, but hit me up with anything else that you might want to know, mate. Australia is a bloody ripper country. Remember that only accurate rifles are actually interesting. <laughs> Best wishes and a bloody big thank you from down under, Brett. <laughs> See, that's why I was like, the last paragraph would have been the best to read in an Australian you know, accent. I, I, I've seen videos that, that they, there's gold all over that. Parts of in the outback of Australia, they just go out and walk around and find it. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you on that. I don't either. I've just seen videos of it. I wouldn't go walking out back around there by yourself. It gets hot down there. Well, there's also like the deadliest of everything on earth lives in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like so. if it is tiny and, and poisonous uh, and deadly or big and poisonous and deadly it lives there boxing kangaroos boxing kangaroos <laughs> yeah apparently the kangaroos are not cute and cuddly they're they're evil little buggers <laughs> um thank you for sending in the message brett we we greatly appreciate it and definitely no worries about the length of it um that is it's absolutely you provided all the information that we would have needed to go through and do that hopefully um despite our chaotic ramblings you managed to get something out of it and uh, i think ultimately your blue choices or your purple choices would be just fine if you had the ability you could actually move them and be kind of like a little mini migratory beekeeper and and whenever it was just about time for the blooms to open you could move them up to the blue line and let them stay there for the season until the bloom season was done, and then you can turn around and move them back to your purple lines, or you could put them on the purple lines and leave them. The bee will forage to kind of give you a little bit of perspective, and I know that um, you know the the measurements are a little bit different here, so we're going to talk miles. Yours would be kilometers, but the bee will forage about a mile from its its home hive location. That's kind of its average forage area, and it's going to start by going the furthest out and working its way backwards in. Now, if there is a prevalent heavy food source that is, in this case, many acres of orchard and of olive, uh, avocado, not olive, sorry, many acres of avocados, 
when they go into bloom, that's going to be the most prevalent food source. So the bees are going to go there and they are going to find all of the trees that fit that description because that's what they're promoting and that's what they're advocating to everybody else. Here's this nectar, here's this pollen, this is where it came from, this is what it smells like, this is what it tastes like, this is where to find it. And they're going to go out there and they're going to do that. So there is no like lose situation on this um, other than the aspect of bees don't like heavy machinery, they don't like the vibration, and they don't like the exhaust from a lot of machinery. Mm -hmm. So leaving them permanently at the blue line, is that's probably the one downside. You could put them there for the blooming season, then move them back, or just leave them at the two purple lines. But I would divide them out, and I would do half of them at the north line and half of them at the south line, and that'll give you a better coverage of the orchard and also kind of help give the bees a little bit of distance as well. There's a lot of research coming out now that indicates a minimum of 30 foot between each colony is actually optimum for that colony to be in really good health, not have a lot of drift, not have a lot of sharing of diseases and pests and things like that. So having that all the way out there and, and having them spread out between the two locations may actually be beneficial as well. So thank you again, sir. Um, definitely... Our, our I got thoughts. a question for Brett for you. Uh -oh. Let him go. Uh-oh. I'm, okay. so, so I'm going to apologize Brett, in advance, Brett. <laughs> now, do y'all raise tomatoes down there? I guess they do. Honeybees don't do anything with tomatoes. They don't? Nope, not at all. That's bumblebees. Bumblebees and sweet bees. But maybe Australian bees are... Honeybees do. don't do anything with tomatoes. Oh, okay, well, I was hoping they'd make... The, you can make guacamole honey. <laughs> Honeybees and tomatoes and avocados. They do and make... And onions. There is avocado honey. Like, that is actually a thing. You can get varietal really? honey that is just avocado honey. Yep. You mix it in guacamole? I mean, you could if you wanted to. If you and wanted you a like sweet, sweet guacamole. Smoky, and that don't even sound good. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, Brett, we, we do appreciate, appreciate you, it, you listening. And also, thank you uh, for the, the double birthday shout out there. And uh, thank you to everybody who had comments and, and everything and, and sent out birthday wishes. The is getting um, old. Yeah, they, they very kindly posted my age along okay. with the photos, so right. I was like, gee, thanks, guys. But um, but no, thank you to everybody out there who was listening. Thank you to everybody who went through and posted a comment and said happy birthday. Uh, I did my best to go through and try to respond personally to everybody's comments, even if it was just a thank you and a smiley face. I wanted everybody to know that I appreciated it, and if I did miss you for some reason, I greatly apologize, but just know that it is very much appreciated. So, um. It is coming up on for us in the United States for the holidays. So this will be coming out on Thanksgiving week. So everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. Find somebody to be thankful for. Show gratitude to your fellow friends and neighbors. And Ken's, I can see it. Go ahead. What, what do you got, okay. you got there? I want to know. I know we can't ship bees to Australia. They can't ship bees to us. They can't. I no. want some Australian bees. No, you can't have Australian. Okay, first off, there are no anything bees. All of the bees... Came from Europe and Asia. I was going to get a hive, and I was going to put kangaroos and koala bears on top of the damn thing. Well, you can still put kangaroos and koala but bears on top of it. Australian bees in it. Well, no, but Australian uh, bees aren't Australian bees. Do that. Uh, the, the honeybee is not native to Australia. It's not native to a lot of the places it is. It was imported there. Mm -hmm. So your bees are the same as Australian bees, Ken. Uh, <laughs> Why? Brett, did what you, do you know do? it takes two million bee or uh, a bee has two million trips to a flower to flowers to make a pound of honey just thought i'd throw that out to you <laughs> he got this little information card from tara yeah, and uh and and so now he likes to reference it whenever he can <laughs> <laughs>
Anyhow, everybody, have a happy holiday. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. And until then, be good. Be safe. Y'all don't eat too much turkey. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) It's time for our guys to buzz off. But don't fret. The Hive Jive journey continues with new episodes Mondays every month. Until then, you can follow along with the guys on Facebook and Instagram at The Hive Jive. Thanks for listening and be safe out there.